Welcome to the Wheel of Sports, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... It's Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Good morning, Ian. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> yes, yes, we are separated by lots of thousands of miles, but we're together in spirit and we're together for another fantastic episode and journey in the Wheel of Sport. Let's get that wheel spinning, Matt. Off she goes. I've heard a bit of a, a rumour on the news, Matt. You're doing something significant tomorrow. I'm running a half marathon. Is that significant? Well, it, you know, half. Half? half? Only half. Yeah. <laughs> it was a half. <laughs> where where are you running? Uh, the Great North Run. Oh, yes. Uh, the most famous run on earth, or so they claim. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely true, but certainly one of the most populous runs. It's, a, it's around Newcastle and Gateshead. They've had to change the route this year because of the because of the covid but uh, yeah it should be should be great always get a great turnout so really looking forward to it talking of turnouts isn't the great north run the first international run ever to reach over a million participants well that yeah that that it definitely was that that is correct and i was a, i was a member of that that race which was uh, wow but I, I got there before the million finisher um. <laughs> I, fi- Humble I feel Humble brag. I, f- I feel so bad, Matt, that we we we've let the wheel spin. I oh know, and it's just uh, sitting you're, there. you're gonna tell you're gonna tell me what the uh, topic for this episode is. I hope it is Matt's great North Run history. Well, it actually it's landed. The wheels landed just on the cusp between out of bounds and one of a kind. Oh, and I think it's just about pointing at one of a kind. Oh, I wish it was pointing more out of bounds, Matt. Is there any? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying we should tamper with the wheel, but is it's it, on is the it cusp. Still spinning? Maybe, maybe okay, it's on, okay. Maybe it's out of bounds. Fortunately, Matt, I think I have one which fits both categories. But okay. let let's decide at the end of the episode whether it fulfills one or the other. But I'm gonna take you back nineteen. 19- 05. The Wheel of History. A baby is born. Alexander Villaplane is born in Algeria, what is now known as Algeria, but then it was the French Algiers. And he's born in a very poor family. Uh, They really scrape a living getting by, so much so that as soon as he can leave French Algiers, he goes to France. He's 16 years old, straight to the south coast of France. Who can blame him, Matt? Now, (laughs) he has no formal education at all. He's really struggled to get by those first 16 years. He doesn't have really any opportunity to do much in life, except for the fact that he can kick a ball, Matt. He can play soccer ball. Now, he actually starts playing for FC Seat. Now, we've got to put this in context at the time, Matt, because he's 16 years old. It's 19... What? <laughs> Can't you work it out? 21? <laughs> it's 1921. It's just after the First World War has concluded. France has been decimated and... Things have have gone up in the air very much so, and people are looking to, you know, life is coming back to normal, and they want to uh, support a soccer team that's doing well. This team, FC Seat, 
it's actually managed by a Scotsman called Victor Gibson. Now, Victor Gibson, this is a bit of a subplot here, but he um, he joined FC Seat in 1914. He took them to the France's first League and Cup double, and they still play today in green and white hoops because of Victor Gibson's beloved Glasgow Celtic. So there's a bit of a an amazing uh, synergy there. So did the... Is the French FA, is it a professional outfit at this time? Absolutely not. So uh, it actually doesn't become professional until 1932. Right. But that said, Matt, there's a lot of money in it. Okay. (laughs) So if you're a good player, it's not professional, but uh, teams at the time, like FC Seat, had creative ways of paying the players like for example young uh villa playing here they may have given him a job saying look can you just sweep the uh, stands after the game and, and we'll pay you you know lots of thousands of francs for doing so mm-hmm. and you happen to be our best player as well but as a 16 year old he gets taken under the wing of gibson and he becomes a very crowd-pleasing player He's a powerful individual. He took tackles very strongly, and he's very strong in the air as well. And the, the fans love him. Victor Gibson loves him as well. But he's also, because he's grown up on the streets, he's pretty smart. He's pretty savvy. So what he does, he, you know, flaunts himself to the uh, the rivals of FC Seat. And he's like, you know, he's making a bit of noise, getting a few good uh, reviews so he ends up joining uh, Vergetti who are backed by the owner of Perrier okay. you know the fizzy water yeah 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 so um, you'll know being in Edinburgh the old Perrier ward which is not the Perrier ward anymore but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Vergetti, um sign him up and they pay him a lot more to do a job which isn't playing football <laughs> but something else yeah and FC Seat are kind of so bereft by this, they end up signing him back on on better terms. Right. <laughs> so, so this just gives you a little clue of the savviness of this individual, Villa Plain, because he's, as a young lad, he's left his home country, left his family, gone to play for a team, made waves, basically flaunted himself with the uh, next rival team, upped his salary, and then gone back to the original team, upped his salary again. And Mm. he is becoming a very, very good player. To the point, Matt, where by 1926, age 21, he wins his first cap for France, which is amazing. I mean, he is quickly becoming the most popular, the most prominent and the best player in France. What a rise to fame this is. That's just great. Good for good for him. Immigrant kid got you know, done good. Nice story. Yeah, oh, it's it's incredible really. And in by nineteen twenty nine, Racing Club de Paris, uh their chairman is setting about um, apologies, anyone who is French-speaking listening to this. 
I was going to say, here, it's really his pronunciation. Hearing the lad from Merseyside going, Racing Club de Paris, mate. Um, <laughs> so, so the chairman is assembling, uh, you know, the best team he can uh, to try to compete uh, for the title. And the chairman looks no further than Villa playing because he is the standout player. He is the best and he shells out to get him to Paris. Bear in mind, it's still amateur at this point, but Villaplan, by this time, he's a French international, established. He is an established uh, amateur player, doing very well. And as a result, he's gone to the capital city, and he is getting coin, Matt. He is getting a lot of cash. Um, but you're saying at this time he's the best player in the country, right? Yeah, everybody wants him. And when the capital city come calling, he plays for France. He actually goes on in 1930, he plays for France in the World Cup, in the first, not the first World Cup as we know. Uh, listeners mm-hmm. to this podcast will know that Uruguay wasn't the first World Cup, um, yeah. but it was the first FIFA World Cup. And France, uh, albeit they won one game and lost two, uh, he captained the French team in the first ever World, first ever FIFA World Cup. But after that tournament, Matt, he retired from international football with twenty five caps, aged twenty four. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which Fair seems enough. seems an odd move, um, but aged twenty seven. He ends up uh, signing for FC Antibes. And this is kind of a pivotal moment in his career because... And, sorry, can you just say that one again? Antibes, was it? I think so, Matt. <laughs> Goodness me. I mean, I, I think, I, think that I went to the doctors with Antibes once, but um, <laughs> it's two Panadol is fine. Uh, so... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pivotal time in his career. <laughs> it's a, wheel of modern languages he's retired he's retired and he's come out of retirement at 27 no no he's retired from international football and he's, oh, right, he's okay. carried on playing domestically but okay. uh he he carried on playing for racing club de paris but he gets a transfer at age 27 and he, the reason he gets to transfer matt is because in 1932 french football becomes professional here's where it becomes a little bit interesting because now it's a professional game and all the money is above the table and there's a lot of it. He likes money, Matt. <laughs> there's no doubt Good. about it. He grew up poor. So fair play to him. You know, you grow up poor, you realise the value of money and he's going to try and get as much as he can. So he signs for uh, FC Antibes and um, he he has a bit of a unfortunate time there because... They actually win the title, but the title is stripped from them when match fixing is found out about, and the manager uh, of the club he actually gets banned for life because of this match fixing scandal. Now, from that point, uh, Villa playing just ends up kind of bouncing around. He goes to Nice. He's basically not fit. He's missing training. He's missing games. And his salvation is uh, Victor Gibson, the Scotsman who had him as a teenager. Gibson actually 
signs him in 1934 for Bastien Bordeaux, who are a second division team. I mean, this is a big fall from grace, isn't it? From captaining the French team in the inaugural World Cup uh, to second division Bordeaux team. And he lasts math three months. And Victor Gibson sacks him after three months. He refuses to train, doesn't turn up. He looks disinterested. He is done. By 1935, Matt, he's actually in prison. And by 1945, Matt, he's dead. Goodness. 40 years old. Exactly. I think he was, yeah, 39, I think, uh, officially given his birthdays. But let's fill in some of the gaps here because this great rise from a poor boy who's grown up in strife got himself to the south coast of france carved himself out a very fine soccer career to which he's represented france at the highest level and captained his country to end up in prison and then dead by 1945 is quite the ride matt but here's the story of Alexandra Philippine. <laughs> and I say that with no humour because I've just told you his story, but that's not really <laughs> the story of Alexandra Villaplan. So think back to FC Antibes when he's 27, 1932. The game is just professionalised. They win the title with him as the, you know, top player he's a center half he can play in midfield but he's a tower he's powerful he smashes through people he's quick he's aggressive such a great player they win the title with some other brilliant players in that team but remember the manager is accused of match fixing and is subsequently banned for life now it's thought matt that villa plan and two of his fellow players were implicated strongly implicated in that match-fixing racket. So much so that the manager was thought not to be hugely involved, but was scapegoated. Now, if we go back again to when he was signed in 1929 to uh, Racing Club Paris, this is where he moved to the capital city, Moulin Rouge, lots of casinos, (laughs) lots of cabaret, lots of underworld characters... And remember, Matt, he's got loads of coin. He is loaded. And he's uh, in his 20s and he is living it up in Paris. He is spending money, flaunting it around, drinking, smoking, hanging around bars, hanging around cabaret, doing whatever he pleases. He is enjoying the fine life. But I did mention there he did get involved in some underworld there's some underworld characters in those places, Matt. It's not good. Not not a place that you or I would be found. Never. Imagine if we were found in those places as well, just going, yeah, we, so we do a podcast called The Wheel of Sport, mate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine the underworld don't, characters would not speak to us for very long, I'm sure. Don't think it'd go too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did an episode about the 1909 New South Wales Rugby <laughs> League final. <laughs> So, um, 1935, when he's he's basically he's been sacked the year before by Bordeaux by his previous manager, who 
gave him the opportunity to be a pro uh, effectively or to be a, a, a successful amateur. He, he actually became involved in horse racing and fixing horse races. So they actually get stung for that. And Villaplane serves time in jail, age 30. Now, that's 1935. He falls off the radar in terms of fo- professional football. I mean, it's pretty easy to fall off of the, you know, you can't play football from prison. <laughs> it affected his career, did it? <laughs> Going to prison. <laughs> But yeah, it is a damaging to most people's career going to prison. The significant thing here, Matt, is that uh, history takes a hold. So 1940, the Nazis sweep across France. They take Paris and they set themselves up in situ. Belgium has fallen as well. Where does Villaplane fit into all of this? Well, there's a guy called Henry Lafont who basically sets himself up. He's a gangster. He is an underworld figure. But he persuades the Nazis that he can do a lot of their work for them. So he becomes a, a go-to man to basically head up an informal SS, like an informal Gestapo this, Matt, this story is a fascinating and disturbing. But Henry Lafont basically goes, look, he's a pragmatist, obviously. He's like, yeah, you're in charge now, so I'll be friends with you. You help me, I'll help you. I want to make loads of money. The war's a great opportunity to make money. So he sets about trying to recruit uh, basically an informal t- Gestapo, which then he can be in charge of and and siphon off as much money as he can. He finds out that Alexandra Villaplane is uh, smuggling gold. That's what he's got himself into, Matt. And okay, turns out that's quite useful to the Nazis. I don't know if you've read many books about the. Uh, well, they were quite they were quite fond of smuggling gold. They like gold. So Henry Lafont recruits him into basically a team of collaborators to fight against the French resistance. Villaplane, happy days. He loves the idea. He signs up with Henry Lafont and he sets about trying to find resistance fighters, trying to trade Jewish people, trying to find and hunt down Jewish people, all the while smuggling gold, stealing off them, torturing them and causing a lot of havoc as an inside Parisian. He's he's Algerian, but he's a Frenchman. He's represented his country. He is a Frenchman who is shopping his own brethren to the Nazis, and he becomes a very cruel and sadistic man in this period of time. By 1942, he ends up actually um, leaving Paris, going to Toulouse, and he teams up with an old teammate from FC Seat who helps him get new papers, a new identification, and gets him back to Paris. The SS end up arresting Alexandra Villaplane because he stole them precious jewels. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> so he gets arrested by the SS, but he says, oh, no, I used to work for Henry Lafont. And Henry Lafont gets him out of prison. 
There's another guy as well who's helping this collaboration with Henry LaFont is Pierre Bonny. We'll talk about him later. But by 1943, the tide in the war, in the Second World War, is turning. The French resistance are actually becoming better at what they do. They're becoming more organised and they're becoming better at covering their tracks as well and more effective. And they're also getting, you know, better armed, better at doing what they should be doing, which is getting the Nazis out of France. Hitler gets a bit edgy about this. You remember him? You've heard of him. Sorry, do I? Yeah. So old Adolf, he's like, it's a bit... It's a bit on the nose that the French are resisting. So uh, basically, I want all of them exterminated. If you if you find them, don't torture them and, and keep them prisoner. Shoot them. So all the rebels are to be killed. Now, this is music to Alexandra Villaplane's ears, Matt. Turns out Alexandra Villaplane is a psychopathic Nazi rat. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't sound like the most savoury character. Lafont sets up a. It's called. He calls it the Brigade Nord African, and he set. It's basically a group of French immigrants, and he gets Villaplan to lead it as a French Algerian. So he leads a band of immigrants for the Nazis to fight against the French resistance. He basically gets a German uniform and is an SS sub-lieutenant. He gets stationed in the south of France. And in 1944, that guy Pierre Bonny, who is also one of the ringleaders of the collaborators, he becomes Bonny's driver and he gets the nickname SS Mohammed, which apparently is a slur in France at that time. As you know, the Second World War is escalating and the resistance in France uh, are getting a foothold. The Nazis have a war on two fronts. They're becoming stretched and as a result, they're becoming much more desperate and they've already done very heinous things. But the desperation in France in 1944, where they were letting sleeping dogs lie, the Nazis were really... Uh, going on the offensive, uh, to put it mildly. In Orador Serglane, they assassinate on June the 10th, they round up 643 civilians, men, women and children, civilians. They round them up and they massacre them, 643 people in a day. They machine gun them and wow. it's one of the most notable moments in the war for certainly in that part of France. Where does Villaplan fit into this? Well, a day later, he is rumoured to have ordered the assassination of 52 civilians in a village close by in Musadan. And eventually, when he is tried, it, it says at least 10 people he was responsible for ordering the killing of or actually holding the gun himself and killing them himself it's said he did go to so as the war turned these people these collaborators went on trial at the end of 1945 and the prosecutor was keen to get the witness statements and to outline 
what had happened, the whole story of Villaplan and his accomplices. And what's interesting, Matt, is that Villaplan had very much adapted to his circumstance. So remember back in his early football career when he comes to the south coast of France as a 16-year-old, no education, no family, signs for FC seat, gets taken under the wing of a Victor Gibson, mm-hmm. a, a Glaswegian, and starts flirting with another club, gets a higher wage, then gets another higher wage, come back to the club that he was at. That was almost a sign about how he could wheel and deal. And then fast forward into mm. uh, 1944 and 1945, he actually becomes a nice character to people who he was previously making victims of. And he was still a rat because he, he actually would uh, say to people, uh, and this was in the court records, that he would uh, drive up and he would say to someone, He's, oh, this is terrible, the things that are happening in this war, it's so brutal. They've even made me, a Frenchman, wear a German uniform. How terrible. Um, I know they've killed uh, 54 people today and you're going to be the 55th, um, but I'll help you if you give me 200,000 francs. Jesus. <laughs> so he, he, he knew the war was on the change, uh, on the turn, and so he was on the turn as well. He he decided to try, think, well, after this, I don't want this to look bad at me. I want to be able to have people who said I let them go or I was merciful to them or I was kind to them. So he changed his character again completely to try to, you know, survive and to thrive. But wow. he does go to trial. Uh, him with a number of other collaborators are uh, uh, tried at Fort de Montrouge. He's age 39 on Boxing Day where he is shot after trial by firing squad. And that is the end of Alexandra Villaplane. I didn't delve into some of the more heinous and graphic things that he got into. Oh, wow. That's heinous enough. (laughs) Quite staggering, the stuff that uh, he got up to. And um, it's just a... A bizarre story because when I was researching it, I was like, this is a love story. This is so brilliant. This is the story of an Algerian immigrant like Zinedine Zidane who comes over to France, the mother country, and is captains their team in a World Cup. Like that is Zidane's story. Becomes the best player in France. Becomes the greatest. And I just thought that is beautiful. And then it turns out he is a fucking Nazi. <laughs> like a literal Nazi. And <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> but what a story. An amazing kind of insight. I don't know what life would have been like running around Paris at that time, like smuggling gold, tracking down resistance. Henry Lafont, Pierre Bonny. I mean, just the idea that you have like the official SS and Nazi army wearing uniforms. Then you just have all these like rogue immigrants running around doing their dirty work for them, even dirtier than the Nazis. It's like, this is bizarre. It's such a yeah. crazy story. 
um maybe we should do an episode on victor gibson i've found only a little bit of information about victor gibson the scotsman who ended up in france managing very successfully but um it's a fascinating tale what did he so what did he fire him for i don't think you ever told us. oh he fired him at, at bordeaux uh because he refused to train he wasn't turning up oh right it so just, it wasn't anything no to do with it was po- just po- he lasted three months 12 weeks and he was done so matt the big question of this episode is is it one of a kind <laughs> or is it out of bounds <laughs> God, I'm not sure if it's either. It's dark, Ian. Uh, look, That's a dark wheel I, as well. I was like, oh, it could be one of a kind. But having done it, I think I want it to be one of a kind. But there's lots of other characters like him. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe not, maybe not if Captain their national side. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a dark story, Ian. A dark story for this time in the morning. Well, it's a... Time recording, we're in lockdown, so maybe it's very apt for me to do a dark story. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, thanks very much for that, Ian. Uh, that that was great, and uh, thank you very much to you, listener, for, for downloading and, and listening to The Wheel of Sport. Uh, please do get in touch with the show. Uh, you can email us at thewheelofsport at gmail.com uh, or via Instagram or Twitter at the handle at thewheelofsport. Yeah, any suggestions for shows, any fact-checking, uh, you know, we, we welcome it all. So uh, please do get in touch and uh, give us a five-star review. It really does make a big difference. Thanks, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm off to fix some horse races. I will see, yeah. see you next time for another one of the greatest sports stories ever told. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks, Andre Villaplane, you absolute rat. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>